We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Crawling through the desert, looking for something to cover. Arsenal have answered the call with an actual God's honest signing. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can back me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Look, uh... Preseason is not always the most scintillating time. We can talk transfer rumors because everybody likes them. We can talk <clears throat> about an actual game of football that was played, even though it's a preseason game. But Arsenal have responded to the call with an actual signing. Albert Sambi Lakanga has signed. It's a move that we really like and a move that you can learn more about if you want to go to our Patreon and uh, watch a full scouting video that Clive did there. Um, really get a sense of who the player is, and I thought it was excellent. Um, there is also an interview with David Hartrick. Um, from Opta and a, a Brighton fan about Ben White over on the Patreon. And that interview may be um, unlocked, so to speak, very soon. Although not today, as there is no time for that nonsense. But those are things that are on the Patreon that you can uh, pick up if you want. <clears throat> we did add one big fun event to the Vegas trip that I just want to tell you about quickly if you're sort of on the fence about it, which is um, open bar, private event, whole bar bought out. Literally all of it paid for by Paul, so um, we should thank him. We will thank him when we introduce him. But, uh, you know, there'll be a photo booth, and there'll be drinks and food, and it's uh, a big shindig on Saturday night, so hopefully uh, everybody making it out will attend that. And last but not least, uh, so we have this shop now, and Brandon, uh, who is the designer who does it all, came up with the idea that he wanted to do a limited release thing because you can actually buy the stuff ahead of time, and they give you, like, a much nicer, higher-end shirt quality and all that. So right now... As you are listening to this live, um, we have released uh, Brandon's first limited release. It is an homage to Emil Smith-Rowe, The Smith, as dubbed by uh, Nuno Tavares. And it is sort of a takeoff of the English rock band uh, font as well. It's a really cool design that that he did. Uh, You can go check it out on the shop. Uh, You can just go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com, click shop, or you can go to avpodcast.com. Nope, that won't get you anywhere. avpodcastshop.com. You know, I just work here. You know, the interns give me something to read and I read it. But uh, that is out. It is limited edition. I'm, I'm really excited for Brandon because he's killing it. And I'm very, very proud of the work he does. So all of that out of the way. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. I'll pause. Woohoo. Uh, and you're welcome for the event. For the event. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, by the way, that event is also going to have a huge charity component um, with Gooners versus Cancer. So I'm really excited to work with uh, Mike on that again. And Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. 
Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. We also have our Arsenal Foundation charity drive coming up again, our annual uh, work with them. So a lot of charitable stuff going on along with all the other businessy stuff, along with all of Arsenal actually doing business. Clive, we signed someone. So before we even get to the preseason game, um, this one, I think everybody knew about it. We talked about it quite a bit. But you know what? When Arsenal hand you a signing, the meager crumbs of news that are out there, you you do not turn away. How excited are you by this move? I can just tell you in uh, two words, I am. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, I, I'm quite excited by the overall change in direction. And the two to maybe three around the corner players that we've bought have all got huge potential and huge room to improve. And that's quite nice, right? So there's a there's been a sort of a unseen lid on this team, you know, where we do really, really well up to a point. But we all sort of know where that point is. We all sort of know there's a... There's a lack of a flaw to the team. And we all know that we can shoot ourselves in the foot. And that's all kept us around that six, seven, eight position for a couple of years now. And really putting a lot of onus on cup competition. So what these signings are really telling me is that we are looking medium to long term. So for those people who don't like the coach, don't fret. Because we've got players that we are, are going to be here for a while. And they're, they're almost developing a style. So we've heard Arteta talk about the possession-based team he wants to be. And there are things you need to have to be a possession-based team. You need to have the ability to move the ball, carry the ball, pass the ball long and short distances, beat the first man, be press resistant. And when you have enough of those type of players, people then say, quirky, they're good. Hmm. I better step away from them. And you become a possession team. And Lakonga, 6'8", Belgium League, I think when you move up a league, you end up finding your position. So I think they end up being more of a six. Plays at the base of the midfield, centre back, centre back split, they go wide, full backs push up, I'll take it off you, the keeper, turn around, flip it out wide or go through the lines. Nice and simple. If I get pressed, I can beat the first man. Really, really easy football pattern play. He seems to have a lot of that, a lot of calmness. Um, he just looks like a really good midfielder, you know. <laughs> when you, we all sort of know the midfield position now. When you describe all the things you need to have, he's got a lot of them, and all he needs to develop is a consistency of doing it at a higher level against higher-level opponents, and that's where his development is: doing things faster, more intense, um, making calm decisions that'll improve as he's under pressure more often. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I like it. I like what Arsenal are doing, and. Um, it's been a while since we said that, hasn't it? Yeah, it just seems really clever. I mean, he's going to turn 22 this season. So not the 17, 18-year-old age where it's still a total crapshoot. An age where it's closer to the possibility that you know what you're getting. He played 2,300 minutes uh, last season for Anderlecht and 2,000 minutes the season before for Anderlecht. So you've got two really good representations of who he was in a league that admittedly is is not close in terms of level but it's not like buying a Genduzi or a Martinelli which ironically you know well the less said about how Genduzi turned out but in terms of talent identification worked out really well but those ages seem more like a crapshoot this is where I think you can be a little more confident in what you're getting and when we did that scouting video Clive the thing that really stuck out to me is he is a natural heir apparent from what I could tell. And again, you're basing it off clips that you're watching of a very young player and what he might develop into. But Thomas Partey's role, Lukanga's role, 
you could see them having a lot of overlap in terms of what they provide and what they're capable of doing. So it was really exciting to see that. And it, it just seems like a clever move using our resources to build for the future with a player who can contribute now, but doesn't need to be called on to contribute now. And I think that is that is great. Now, look, I know there are a lot of people listening who are going to say, yeah, that's all well and good. What about the players who are going to contribute now? You know, like when we sell Shaka and have no one to replace him? Okay, I get that there are priorities that have to be handled, and presumably we're handling that. But, Paul, this is the thing about transfers. Your plan should never be, how many deals can we do this summer to fix us this season? That's not a plan. And that's kind of what Arsenal you know, got in trouble with. Those are the moves, ironically, that have not panned out. But when you look at the moves where we have taken a little of a, long, of a longer-term view, I think we've actually done pretty well there. And this this sort of follows in those footsteps. So are you equally... Not just excited about the player, but encouraged about sort of the profile and the, the tactical approach of going and getting him now. Yeah, especially when you t- look back on one or two of the rumors before the the summer season really got started. You know, it was kind of dominated by Ryan Bertrand. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there... <laughs> There's still <laughs> Ramsdale links out there, so don't, don't get me started. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, but it, that's... If you look at the age profile part of it, that's not the issue. Actually, yes, with, good point. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Right? And, uh, you know, we're looking at Sam Johnston potentially as another goalkeeping uh, keeping option. And for goalkeepers, they're very young. And then you look at Lukanga, I think, is 21. Tavares, 21. Both good-looking boys. I like that, too. Ben White would be 23. Uh, our goalkeeping options are around 23. Uh, we want it. We want Odegaard back. Doesn't mean we can get him. I don't know if there's anything in the Awar links, but the and and you look at Locatelli and you look at Neves. They're all 23-ish. Uh, our right back options that have been mooted are not your Ryan Bertrands. They're 23-year-olds. Um, it's like there's no 30-year-olds on the horizon. Um, now they've still got plenty of time to. Uh, amaze us and disappoint us in equal measure. Uh, but the profiles look really, really good. Um, in turn, just not just obviously age, age profile is one part of it. Um, you find value in the market wherever it is. Uh, I have nothing against a more experienced player if you get it right. Uh, there's pluses and minuses. You need balance in the squad. But holy moly, if we, you know, that we're going for something like seven players, maybe we won't, we won't get all of those new signings. And we're probably reaching the point where we'll be looking at outgoings um, for incomings, not just because we need fees, but you, we don't want to go back to a bloated squad or people sitting around and all that dissatisfaction. So you got to right size it. Um, but, you know, we're aiming at something like, like, Ben White would be the third player, I guess. A goalkeeper is a certainty, so there is a fourth player. Um, if Chaka goes, and it seems like he must go, that would be a fifth player because um, we'll have to replace him, especially with the AFCON, and we lose two of our, our two primary midfielders then, El Nenny and uh, uh, our boy Party, one assumes. So you're now at five. Uh, we definitely need to ten. Many of us would think some some are a bit more uh, risk friendly, Elliot, in terms of maybe uh, you know finding other ways to do it rather than bring somebody in. But uh, I think most of us think we probably need a ten 
or a cam or another attacking option along those lines uh, unless we do something radical like use a Saka at the 10 spot when Smithrow isn't doing it. But those options look too young and inexperienced given the travails of last season without it. And our right back, you know, would we look for a right back? Maybe if uh, maybe it's dependent on Bellerin staying or or, or going. Um, so that's it's not hard to talk yourself into the fact that we're going for six. And the profiles of everybody mentioned so far look perfect for for the age curve crowd, who I mm. bloody hate. <clears throat> and if I ever meet them, I'll I'll nut them. But well, but, to, to be fair, I am their leader. <laughs> I'm the uh, Peter Pan of the edge your, your minions. Um, <laughs> so it looks like they got the memo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am encouraged about it. And I do think, look, the, the thing about touching the flame is that it's really good for you if you learn your lesson. The bad thing about touching the flame is if you don't learn your lesson and you keep holding your hand over the flame. And it at least looks like Arsenal have touched the flame and learned their lesson, right? Um, and I think that that is, that is a really good thing in the sense that, you know, we did the Willian thing and we re-signed Aubameyang and, you know, we have some some older players, right, Paul? I mean, so, like, at least there, there's it appears that lessons are being learned. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you what amazes me is this is the season we sacked all our scouts. Um, we pivoted to, we'll just do it by video and data and stuff and who needs scouts anyway. And now we're back to hiring scouts again. Um, I would have loved to have asked that question at the fans, recent fans forum. Um, and yet, you know, if you black box this, uh, this doesn't look like a summer that you didn't have scouts out on the ground. Now, maybe all these players would be shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what happens when you do it through video and data. But everything I've been doing quite a bit of reading on uh, directors of football and strategy and stuff. And nobody is moving away from scouts. Absolutely not. So that's that was kind of a weird pivot. Uh, one day I'll understand what we did there. But we're back to scouting for scouts at the moment, which is the first step. Then we'll have scouts and we'll be back scouting in. I'm amazed this ha- happened in the summer. Like this is the year I thought we'd really be all over the place and, you know, have to lean on agents and all that kind of weird stuff that makes us really upset. And yet this is the opposite of the summer I would have thought we would have in the year we had no scouts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to level with you. I mean, I think the talent identification seems okay here. Um, you know, Nuno Tavares seemed like a, a clever deal. There are other deals we're doing that I'm I'm less sure of, but they're certainly not players that are unknown. I mean, do, do you have a feeling, Clive? Two, two things before we move on to the game. One is, do you have a feeling about what this says for our scouting and how we're updating it? And then I'd also just quickly like to get a sense of, do we think Lakanga's got a role to play this season? We don't have Europe, so there's fewer minutes. I think there's a presumption that he's won for the future. I haven't heard a lot of people really opining that he's won for the present, and I'm curious about that too. So first, you want to add on the on the scouting network and how we're approaching talent ID? Yeah, I think this when we see some 20-year scouts leave and, and people who see at the club leave for a long time, we say, oh, we're chucking all the scouting, we're just going to data alone. I think football's changed in the last 20 years. I mean, I didn't look at data even four years ago. You, you couldn't. I mean? To, to and, um, be fair, you couldn't, right? It wasn't even publicly available. Look at how much that's changed. Just access to Yeah, it. that's changed. And then we had Stat DNA. We bought Stat DNA years ago, right? So the concept <clears throat> yeah. of data and how it was used by Arsene Wenger is just like a mystery to me. 
you know and um and so scouting has changed now Arsenal chose to take some scouts out of their system at a time when we couldn't leave our bedrooms do you know what I mean so mm-hmm. and they and they and they they actually restructuring their scouting you need eyes as well as eyes on data you need eyes on the ground because we lost some people that we know and love you know real good Arsenal people we sort of think, what the hell are we doing? Because we just lack trust in what the club are doing. And the club have gone out there to get well, some Clive, modern scouts. Clive, can I ask you something? Didn't Edu, Edu say, we're getting rid of all our scouts apart from South America? No, no, he didn't say. That's what actually happened. Right? So <laughs> he didn't, he didn't tell us, he just did it. it. He's a silent he just killer. Did it, right? <laughs> and, then they're, and then they're going out there to find the new modern scouts. Right? So... Scouting 20 years ago when old McDermott from Reading was out there, it's not the same as what's happening now. It's just masses and masses of technology involved and data involved and how you assimilate data into your decision-making. You need, a, you need a, a multiple amount of things to make it work. And I just think we have to accept that the game has changed and how we look at the game has changed, how I look at the game has changed. So why do we expect these same people who have been there many, many years to, to just... We have a job for life. We well have said. to accept it. And well said. I, I really do. We won't progress. If you, if you keep the same people, you just won't progress. I don't like seeing people lose their jobs. But, hey, mate, since 2014, our scouting has not been great. <clears throat> it, it hasn't been great, you know. And for the first time in a long time, there's obviously some new analysts at the club. There's obviously a better connectivity to our management because the type of people we are going for, I didn't end last season thinking I can't wait to get Lakonga. Didn't know who he was. Right? And you do you do some research, think, my goodness, this is this is quite smart. Tavares, we were saying the other day, how's he go- maybe he won't play. He's played one game, he looks quite good. When he comes on the pitch, I don't think we're ever gonna worry. We don't need to play Kieran Tini of a sore car for the ninety five minutes. Or, or move our star young child right winger to yeah. left back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, we can take him off after sixty minutes when he's come back from this national break, and we can, we can still, you know, not fall for the floor. I think this is really quite promising that we can still do the same stuff. When Thomas Party has twanged his thigh because we had to rush him back for Spurs, we played Danny Sabayas. So now we got Lukonga, and it's a similar-looking player that does similar-looking things, maybe not to the right level, but we don't have to change who we are. I think this is really, really promising. Really promising. And I just think we need to open our minds up to the changes in the world. And, and yeah, the fact that Arsenal using consultants go and get people. Well, I hope they are, because I want the better people finding the better people. Every job I've ever had to come through an agent, right? So you need people to go and get you, headhunt you, go and get you. And that's exactly what you want, the best people in the market. And I think we need to mature ourselves when it comes to this. It's not great when we're sitting eighth. We don't, we don't trust anybody. Do you know what I mean? But at least I see a difference in approach and a, a difference way we're attacking it. And, and I, I applaud it. And then hopefully the results will follow over time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, look, the the reality is that there's not a lot of trust in the club in some circles. And I, I understand that. I mean, of course there's not because look at where we are. But having said that, I think that change and turnover is really important even if you're doing well, I mean, the one thing that I have to say about Alex Ferguson is over his long, long tenure at United, one of the things he regularly did was update his staff, right? And change his his assistant coaches and things like that. And I, I think there's a clear reason why you do that. And it's so that the ideas stay fresh. 
<clears throat> and they don't go stale. And certainly, I think whatever the approach was at Arsenal, it had gone a bit stale. And so seeing seeing the fact that we've been proactive to update it, I think is great. But Clive, in terms of the actual player himself, mm-hmm. I mean, we watched him. He looks really exciting. The level is night and day, you know, what Anderlecht was going through and, and what we're going through um, in terms of domestic competition anyway. I guess my question to you is, how much of this player should we expect to see right now? One of the things that I think happens when you get a new signing is people get really excited for it right away. I mean, with, with Saliba, ironically, we knew we had to be patient because he was being loaned back right away. But last summer, if you go back to last summer, we were all raving about the guy. We couldn't wait to see him. Now we know what happened. It's disappointing. We don't need to go through it again or, <laughs> wink, relitigate it. Um, but in terms of Lakanga, do we need to just hold our breath here and be, you know, when Elneny gets subbed on in a 1-1 game after 60 minutes and Lakanga's on the bench and people start freaking out even though they've never seen him, like, do we need to have that patience? Or is it the case that Arsenal need to just be prepared to give this guy some, some time because he's ready for it? Yeah, let's have a look at him in the shirt first. But, um, I think <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's have a look at him in the shirt. He may not be able to put one foot in front of the other, but I think he's going to be fine. I, I, what I like about this deal, and I, I, it actually gives you a bit of an insight to how we're improving, because obviously Guendouzi can play. There's no doubt about it. But there are things he does off the pitch. He's character-wise. We took a gamble on, and they still manifested themselves in our club. We ended up basically breaking even on him when we should have done something a lot more. That's the way it goes. It didn't work out. Uh, there were rumours about Awar having similar sort of character type issues off the pitch, and maybe that's why Arsenal are potentially, you know, not going for that move. Again, with and with, that's uh, a huge value from your scouting network, right? You, yeah. you can't tell that so easily from video and data. Uh, that's why you have scouts to know the holistic wraparound of who a player is. Yeah, so what scouts do, Paul, is not just watch the player. They go and talk to people. They go and talk to people. They find out what they're like. They find out how they train. We used to, we used to go and watch training. Remember Wenger used to go and sneak and watch training? Yep. He watched, uh, uh, who's the guy, Reyes? He went to watch mm-hmm. him in training in disguise. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I remember thinking <laughs> at the time, that's, that's crazy. But it, it, it means something. How a person trains is really important, how they're going to assimilate into the group. And false how you behave beard, false nose, false glasses. <laughs> oh, I love I love Reyes, rest in peace. But how how you know how a player is going to assimilate into group is important. Again, with um, with with Lukonga, I heard today that he's, he's a religious guy, lives a good life, lots of connections. You know, obviously, um, Arteta uses connection with Vincent Company, Thierry Henry, recommendations. It feels better. Do you know what I mean? It feels better. It feels thought out stylistically, positionally, age-wise, price-wise. Record, you know, it seems better, right? So you haven't seen him on the pitch. He might be able to trap a bag of cement, but I think he's going to be able to based on what I've seen, <laughs> right? So um, I haven't watched a full game of him yet, but I've watched lots of lots of clips, and I'm prepared to say he's going to be okay. And I'm prepared to say he's going to get <laughs> he's going to get better, and that's good when. When I'm watching there on any, not getting better, mate. You're not a bad player for the club, but you're not getting better. When I'm watching Zabias, not for me, son. You're not going to get better for us. You don't. We don't suit how you want to be. Shaka, I'll be honest with you, he's not going to get better. Fine player, good player, good man, not going to get better. We want to get better. We want to get better, and I think that's really, really important. We don't want to get worse, and I think some of these backup signings are there to make sure we don't get worse. 
we lost 13 games last season and sometimes need to take a breath and say man that's not good enough we need to sh- we need to sharpen up on what we want to be and I, I see some good signs so far yeah uh paul before we move on do you have a sense of i mean you can't predict the future I mean, if you can predict the future, please share it with me offline because I think we we can do really it well with that. It has never stopped quality. me before. Okay. Yeah. What, what what's fair to expect from Lakanga this season? What do you think we will see from Lakanga, if anything, this season? Well, I hope, like I hope he plays a significant role. Um, Twenty one ain't bad. Um, he looks to be the business. You know, I haven't done much scout uh, video or watching matches of him. Just seen a little bit. Uh, he looks ready to play a role, but, um, you know, he, he shouldn't be starting uh, too many games early on. Um, and depending on his ability to step forward, um, maybe he comes on strong later in the year. I mean, Ganduzi was doing it first when he's a teenager, so it's possible. Um, and he can kind of step in injuries allowing etc so uh, i think it depends like he won't be our one and two and if you've got a a chaka and party stays fit a, a chaka robust healthy player and party staying fit you know he, he'll be coming in off the bench from time to time um and starting a few games I, I, you know your favorite game is how many starts do you expect from x right <laughs> yeah uh, mm-hmm. i haven't really given this any thought I would guess maybe six, seven starts from him, plenty of bench appearances, and there's the Cups, obviously. But, um, you know, not expecting too much, but he does look like he could step in and perform if for some reason our starting uh, mids weren't, uh, were out for a protracted period with injuries, etc., uh, mightn't be the ideal for like the first season, especially when you're 21, is really about adaptation and uh, make making sure that when you do play, it's right for you and you look good and you settle in and you don't have the setbacks. And it's next season where we'd look for him to maybe truly challenge for a starting berth. I guess that's my take. I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I. I think some of how we feel about this is going to depend on what we do in midfield, right? Yep. Um, because we just don't know. But I, I think we can set aside the Lakanga thing for now. Let's get a bit of a look at him. Let's see what he looks like wearing the shirt, the one with the white panels. It makes everyone look very thin, but that I'm not sure I'm sold on yet, just to be clear. Um, and, 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 you know, just take it a step at a time. The good news is he doesn't need to be great for us right now. It's not that kind of signing. And the time horizon by which we can evaluate this signing is a little bit longer. Now, that's always harder because patience isn't a virtue that football fans usually embrace. And and I certainly fall in that category at times. And it's understandable because you want to win games right now. And when you see, like I said, you know, Mohamed Elneny stepping onto the pitch and there's Lakanga, the bright new signing everyone's excited about, sitting on the bench and you roll your eyes and you forget like, okay, you know, Elneny has played at this level and Lakanga hasn't. So we just need to take a beat and sort of wait and see what happens. We did get to see some people play, though. That that did happen, too. So let's not minimize that, because, Clive, as much as we've just spent 25 minutes on a signing, we're not even sure we'll see much of this season. We watched our players play this weekend. Before I get to that, just some breaking news. Inter are exploring the possibility of not going to the Florida Cup. Even as we're recording, this is developing, so I don't know 
what that will look like. But just quickly as this news breaks, I mean, obviously you can't give me any more details on it, but you know, the UK are opening up. I mean, I did open up Independence Day, Happy Independence Day or Freedom Day, whatever it is. Um, you know, Florida is a place in America where there is a surging COVID number and and a lot of that Delta variant. And, you know, you can sort of take from that what you want. I'm not sort of making a, a statement about it one way or the other. But what I will say is that I, I think it is going to get harder and harder and harder for teams to manage risk because governments are pushing ahead with a post-COVID world, right? So while I understand what Inter are doing for Arsenal, I mean, it, it's I don't know that staying in London under certain circumstances now are going to really change anything. Presumably the players have all or mostly <clears throat> chosen to take the vaccine. So do you have a thought <clears throat> on what Arsenal might do, should do in this case, and really the extent to which there, there's any ability for the, the club to, I mean, we, we really saw remarkable consistency in the season going off last last season without COVID interruptions because they were able to create these bubbles, but that's no longer going to be possible. So we're really going to be leaning on the strength of the vaccine, the willingness of the players to take it and and go from there, right? Yeah, it's um, it's a strange one. Um, I'll just check online now and see if they're still selling tickets. I think they still are. And, um, and so, yeah, Arsenal, no doubt, got lots of um, sponsor events out there. Um, obviously not the same as what they can normally do, but there'll be, I'm sure there'll be some things. And it's very important that we do these global tours, as you well know. Both being in America, that reach is really important. Um, so I hope it goes ahead. I don't want, you know, for, from a football point of view, but also from a, an Arsenal travelling to another side of the world, I think it's really important that we do that. We are no longer just a North London club. We are a global club, right, with tens of millions of fans. So that's really key. I, I can't really call much more than that. Yeah, I think over here we've had this supposedly Freedom Day, um, which means basically you can just do what you like. Which most people are doing. Still, anyway, still people are protesting it, which I'd, I'd love to just yeah. go interview them and say, explain to me what you're protesting right now. Because I think, you got I think what it you helps some businesses with, where the model is just not optimal because of the the lack of people they can have, etc. So it helps certain business areas. The masking is it's made a bit more personal choice. And hey, look, I'm not going to comment because it gets political very, very quickly. And um, people say we stick to football, Elliot. But but hey, it is what it is. But I'm just hoping that we can sort this out because um, I, I look forward to seeing the football team right, play against a couple of good sides. So I'm quite selfish there, but yeah, we'll see what happens when they settle down. Yeah, I, I, again, I, it's so hard to just have this conversation absent a, a political perspective. And I, I want to be able to have the conversation just in terms of what it means for Arsenal free of that political lens. I think the best thing I can say is simply that we are all trying to now live in a post-COVID world, but we are not post-COVID. And so how that affects the season, I think, is largely going to be driven by the effectiveness of these vaccines against the variants and the extent to which the players and the people around the club are vaccinated. And then we'll go from there. So I know there's there's, there's a lot of challenging topics all wrapped up in there, but I, I certainly hope for people in America who have, have booked flights and hotels and bought tickets and, you know, are, are excited about the opportunity to see Arsenal, uh, almost as exciting as seeing us in Las Vegas, arguably even more. Um, I hope that it goes off and I hope that, that that happens. I'm actually like trying to go for the event and was looking at flights this morning and then got that link. And, and I'm sort of in that limbo right now of not knowing what to do. Wanted to cover the event live and in person so we could do some fun stuff from there. And now I'm just not sure what to make of it. So hopefully we'll get some clarification on that very soon. I think Arsenal 
or leaving even today potentially may have left already so uh wednesday w- wednesday, wednesday okay yeah. so and I, you know i mean could they pull in an mls team could they do something like that we'll see more more to come on that i'm sure but uh paul in terms of the game itself um you know pretty preseason fair but unlike the first game what made this game a little bit more enjoyable i think it's fair to say as a starting point is just that we created plenty of chances that they weren't finished and Aubameyang has to take a lot of the 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 blame for that Let's start with sort of formation and looking at the team. Now that we've gotten two looks at the team in preseason, do you have any sort of outsized, outsized guesses on what we're looking to do tactically this season? Are you able to infer anything from what you've seen that suggests what what the coach has in mind tactically? Absolutely nothing. Perfect. Um, <laughs> look, this, this game... Tune in next the week. Performance. <laughs> well... Look, I think it's too early for him to do anything tactically different. Like, he didn't have any new players, and he doesn't have enough players, and it's two halves. So he'd have, you know, I guess he could have one formation in the first half and a different formation in the second half or be doing something. He just doesn't have the players to do something different at this stage. So I, I think he's keeping, it's keeping it simple. This is about fitness, intensity, people getting a good run around and I don't think these are the games you overthink it by throwing it. If he's, if he was going to do something radical, I don't know. He's now decided uh, Ben White's coming in and he's going to switch to a back three. Well, A, he doesn't have Ben White. B, there'd be kind of no point because he doesn't have the players to play. Like, don't play something badly. Don't do bad practice. He just doesn't have enough numbers to do something radically different or the time. This is about fitness and kind of people getting the rhythm back. And you could see the massive, well, maybe that's an overstatement, but I would say like the Hibs game I enjoyed because it's like Arsenal players running around in Arsenal shirts. I mean, if I saw 11 people at the mall who happened to be just randomly wearing Arsenal shirts, I'd probably watch them for 90 minutes, see where the, which shops they wandered into because I like that kind of thing. But this was an actual fun preseason game where actual against Rangers where, you know, coordination of the team was kicking in, passing sequences were happening, balls were finding their man, uh, through balls were actually finding our players, not theirs. So it was, you know, it was an order of magnitude better football to watch. And I think that's what this was about. Just get some confidence going, some flow, some rhythm. Um, this was a fun game. You know, Aubameyang's right on track with our projections for kind of getting into spots and missing all of his chances. <laughs> so preseason's right where he wants it to be, saving it all for the season. Um, yeah, so I didn't see it. I didn't expect to look at, looking back on it, but I didn't see it. We just kept it simple, kind of four, two, three, ones. Um, and uh, let people play without thinking too much, just get in the rhythm. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, we got to see Tavares get a goal with his right mm-hmm. foot, as he told us all Oops. he would do. He said he could shoot with his right foot. Sure enough, he did. Um, he's, a, he's a player that you definitely notice on the pitch, very rapid, bigger than your average fullback. Um, you know, I, I don't, it's hard with Tavares because we don't expect to see him at all if Tierney is fit. But <laughs> you, keep, you keep saying that, and I. I well, I mean, I'm look, Tierney, you, if Tierney is fit to play thirty-eight Premier League games, he'll play thirty-eight Premier League Elliot, games, right? That's not how sport works. 
Well, I mean, in comes, my mind, everybody stays in, fit for 38 in. games and Tavares doesn't play at all. <laughs> <laughs> to okay. be fair, like the, if you look at the left back position, right, that's 3,400 minutes just in the Premier League. There's no way we like our I don't think anybody played more than about 2,500 minutes for us last year. And then we were a bit of rotation and different competitions. But if Tierney got to 2,500 minutes, he'd have got more minutes than almost anybody else in the Premier Look, League I, I'm gonna stop after you guys. Arsenal. If you're going to use yeah. logic to assassinate my wild claims, then I'm going to leave the podcast. Because okay. I'm just not here for that. But okay, okay I, get, I get your point. He's going to play. That wasn't even where I was going. I was just saying, you know, it's nice to see him. He looks pretty good. He's not a big piece of our season. It was kind of following on from the Lakanga conversation. What I'm more excited about, though, Clive, if you'll allow me, (laughs) Emil Emil Smith-Rowe looks on it this preseason. He looks ready. Mm -hmm. He looks bigger. He looks better. Uh, Got to go in the first game. He doesn't even play left back, Elliot. No, he's not going to get any minutes at left back either. I mean, nobody's getting any left back minutes. Um, So, so Clive, Smith-Rowe is an interesting one because... You know, the links to Awar maybe aren't real, which is kind of sad if you ask me, but the links to Madison maybe are, maybe aren't. But like uh, Smith Rowe, I guess similar to Tierney in terms of, of injury concerns, but also in terms of quality, looks like a player that is really ready to step up. A huge part of our sort of quote resurgence at the end of last season and a guy who started in the preseason looking really bright. He had one fantastic run right through the center of um, of Rangers midfield and through the defense and all the way in, took a shot and Aubameyang somehow conspired to miss from one foot out I don't know I mean this this feels like a player who we don't want to we certainly don't want to block him although that may be sort of small club mentality bring in talent let them compete but I'm I'm very excited for the, for for Emil Smith Rowe um and not just because of the Smith um uh nickname which is also fantastic but what do you think Clive and I mean is, is, if we were doing well of, always that yes of course Clive if we were doing our our preseason podcast, you know, our season predictor podcast, he's got to be a category for, for a breakout player this season. Yeah, it, um, we all know that he can play. So my problem is always every time he plays two games, he has a little bit of a strain and then we have to see him miss out and then he comes back again, plays brilliant right from the start, no, no warm-ups necessary. I think he's had a major part in our uh, change in how we feel about the club since December. And um, so, yeah, my big thing with him was just his physicality, and he seems to have really gone to done some work. He he looks well, doesn't he? He looks really well. He's obviously got a contract in the offing, so he's not going to jog around, is he? Much like Lacazette, he's throwing himself about as well, because his situation is not clear whether someone's looking at him or he wants to get an extra extension onto his contract. So, but Smith Rowe is somebody that we need to play, but also nurture and protect and. I'm, we had this conversation the other day. I'm I'm just not clear on what to do in that top end of the pitch to to create room because we have a number of players which we can, which we can all name that could be different players in a year's time, and I mean significantly different. I mean Saka is literally exploding in front of our eyes. I mean literally what he could be, maybe we can't even assess correctly. You know, so Martinelli, you know, statistically data wise, I know you love him, Elliot, but if he gets the right time and he develops himself and gets the right time on the pitch, what could he be? You know, this is really interesting. We've got a number of players that are really, really on the up. And that upward arc, we may not even know what that could be. You know, and um, and so we're back to what we used to do, making stars. And, and Smith Rowe's definitely one of those. And 
I'm not sure how we're going to make the room for him to play. We all know we need something else there. Maybe these preseason games are telling us what that something else will be. Will it? Maybe we might go for a, a left winger, you know, a goal-scoring left winger, and say, you know what, we're going to lose a couple of central players and get to be thrown to play central all the time and not off the left. Do you, do you see what I mean? And so these games are important because you can see where they are. They say, actually, I might have a couple of choices. Do I get somebody who's multi-positional? And I do see your point about a while. Awa is almost like the left-sided version of Buendia. You know, and I think we need that player more than we needed Buendia, though I love Buendia. But we need somebody really from the left because we know Saka and Pepe can do it from the right. We know Martelli can do it from the from the left. We know Smith Rowe can play there on occasion. But maybe Smith Rowe is going to be really developing to that true 10 and maybe we can play Saka inside on, the, on occasion. We maybe need something on the left, you know, so... What he does now is really dictating what we do next. And I think, you know, it's really important to watch him and go. But yeah, we all love him, right? It's um it's not even worth wasting podcast minutes. This kid is going all the way. All the way. Look, if you're suggesting that we don't waste podcast minutes saying the obvious, then I mean, I got bad news for you about our content <laughs> calendar. Um, the one thing I will say, and I want to say this to all of our, our players who are listening and Arsenal players or just any Premier League players because the season is around the corner. Um, you know, this is the time of year that you really show you're ready. This is the time of year that you really show that you have what it takes for it to be a big season. And that can be what you do on the pitch, but it can also be how you look in that dressing room around your teammates. There are going to be a lot of dressing room selfies this season. Are you going to be properly, how shall I say this, shorn? Well, we can get you there. We can get you ready for your dressing room selfies with the Lawnmower 4.0. That's right. You go to manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. You get 20% off and free shipping. Now, look, I know you have millions of pounds as you are a professional athlete, but that doesn't mean you can't be frugal. Make that money stretch. Your career is short. And your private, your hair and your private should be as well. Well, that didn't feel right. Um, look, the, the fact of the matter is, whether you're doing a dressing room selfie or coming out to Vegas to meet us or getting excited for Freedom Day, whatever the heck that is, and just the reopening of society in general, who knows? I'm not a scientist, but maybe COVID clings to body hair. That would be bad. So let's shave that off too. I don't know where this is going, guys. It's in the weeds. But you know what? Won't have weeds you because you will be well shorn by your lawnmower 4.0. It's waterproof. It's got a long battery. It has contact induction charging, so you just set it in its cradle. It has skin safe technology with ceramic blades. It has a powerful light. It's got guards to do eyebrows and sideburns, and you can do all over without cutting or nicking or any of that stuff. If you want a great product and want to ignore all the stuff I've said previously, I think you're in the you're in the Venn diagram of people that I am trying to reach out to. Go to manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision, save 20% and free shipping worldwide. Send me the pictures. I'll send you personal links to a podcast that doesn't have this nonsense in it. You know, by the way, over on Patreon, we do, we do, we do add free episodes. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision. Clive, I don't even need to ask you. Set it up with that. <laughs> Man. I think I need to throw up in my own mouth. Not I, I, I saw that one coming, unlike the others, but I didn't see him coming. I want to. I want to do a an oral history of that ad moment to understand what was going through my mind. It was a, a scramble, but you know, look, I haven't had breakfast today. I, there's no excuse. It was terrible. Um, Paul, do you want to? Praise Emil Smith Rowe for me so I can yeah. clear my head and we can get going here. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll yeah, get on to other players, but is he the standout from these first two games for you? 
Yeah, uh, he's feckin' great. That's, that's my analysis of him. Look, I'm actually struggling with Emil Smith-Rowe. Like, uh, I think I have some credit in the bank because I was definitely an early adopter of Emil Smith-Rowe and watched all, everything I could at Huddersfield and really liked him there and thought he was going to be the business when he got here. Um, so, but with that, like, I'm kind of going through, a, I don't really know what Emil Smith-Rowe is. He's such an unusual player. He doesn't hold the ball. He doesn't hog the ball. I mean, that's kind of, uh, that's a little, little bit ozily, but he's not a big vision for the vision pass. He's just re- a really interesting, effective player, but he doesn't take a lot of shots. Uh, he doesn't create a lot of key passes. Uh, but when you watch him on the pitch, you see that he accelerates our play. Mm. He makes everybody around him play faster, play better, which is often the most frustrating thing about Arsenal when he isn't there, when he isn't doing that. But he's not your classic number 10. Um, and he does feel a bit more like an 8-10 than a 10. Um, he's all, you know, the first thing you, you pass the ball to him, the first thing he does is flick around the corner to a player that he scanned. His scanning is excellent. The the knowing when a player is coming onto his back and then using that momentum to turn around and kind of, he's not a dribbler. Um, he's just not a ball hog. The first thing he does is get rid of it to a better player, um, which you know, depending on how you define a number 10, but it's not, it's usually not a vision p- pass. It's just the superpower is not the vision is to find somebody in a better spot and get it to him faster than anybody else would get it to him. And therefore you're breaking a line of play. He's really about breaking lines of plays, but I don't, uh, I mean, may, maybe there's an obvious, I think Tim at one stage maybe compared him to Rosicki, but Smith Rowe feels, uh, I think that's a really interesting comparison. Smith Rowe is a bit more vertical for, in my mind and, and, Rosicki kind of buzzes around from side to side, but maybe that's wrong. Maybe Rosicki is a good comparison. So I am, I can see why when we got Odegaard, you could play both in the same team because they don't remotely try. They might try and achieve the same effects, but by totally different methods. Um, so I think it's fascinating to see how he progresses. Will they ask him to shoot more? Will they ask him to be more assisty? Will they ask him... <clears throat> to develop his game in other areas. Uh, but, I mean, he's he's wonderful to watch and he makes us better whenever he's on the pitch. But he's kind of an odd fish, mm. is my... I mean, but he's been, yeah, he's been yeah. great so far. Yeah, I, I just, I just love him. I think, um, yeah. I, I like players that quicken the tempo, right? And I, I mean, yep. I think it, it is an interesting one because there are positions this is the hard thing this is why fandom is complex this is why engaging with these topics creates disagreement because no two people are going to see eye to eye on the way you chart a path to success i want to see martinelli get minutes i want to see saka get minutes i want to see smith rowe get minutes i want to see nicola pepe get minutes you understand that if you want to be a big club with big ambitions you can't just say this one guy is my guy at a position when that guy is 21 and still proving it but, I mean, to some extent, you have to, I think you have to plant your flag with certain players and say, this is the guy we're going with at this position. You know, I mean, it, I don't, you know, unless you're City and to some extent Chelsea, you, you have to start to make decisions about who is the guy 
at key positions around the pitch, whether that's your striker or your primary playmaker or your wingers. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Liverpool, and I hate to, to invoke them, but they're a classic example of a team where you can close your eyes and pretty clearly see who is the guy at critical positions, right back, left back, left wing, right wing, striker, right? That They, they made... Their run, I mean, you know, center back, certainly, goalkeeper, they made their run with some really clear players that they built around. And I don't have a problem if Arsenal says we want to build around Saka, Smith-Rowe, Tierney, to some extent Martinelli, Thomas Party. You know, there, there are some people there that should be handed the keys, so to speak. And I think Smith-Rowe is in that group. And, and I accept that that comes with injury concerns and comes with limited experience, but I, I think he's developing into that. Um, one player, Clive, who might be someday handed some keys, we don't know, still way too early to say, is, is Balogun. He played. I don't think it was you know, a particularly stunning uh, performance from him, not one that stands out particularly, but one thing that did stand out a little bit is that Aubameyang was up front and Balogun was, was sort of wide, so to speak, in ways that we've seen Aubameyang play that position in the past. Do you think, you know, I think a lot of people think Balogun could either go out on loan or you know not have a lot of minutes, especially if someone like Lacazette isn't sold. Is it possible that he will be in the conversation to play the left wing in a way that Aubameyang has done previously. I mean, that that's something that I don't think a lot of people have considered. We haven't seen it, but we saw it in this game. Yeah, I, I think it's more just for minutes, really. Um, these first few games are literally about splitting time, get as many minutes into everyone's legs. This phase of preseason, you recover, you go away to Florida, you increase the minutes there, maybe not the same split and then you come back for the Chelsea Strong Spurs games and it's true business then two games business system pattern of play your better players playing for an hour or so and then you go from there so that's how I see it going so Balogun I've only seen little clips for a minute and it's somebody that I need to sit and watch properly um, because I think another one he's going to provide clarity right so obviously you know, did he look better than Eddie to you and I, I can't say I haven't seen the whole game. I can't say my our thoughts are on the way out. Balogun's got the contracts. So maybe that's just a mute question. So and I'm looking to see what he can really do and how he started playing as a centre forward. But our top man is our centre forward, and that maybe is a, a little wink to that. No more left side for you, Bamiyang. Your centre forward. Get used to it. Right, we're going to prioritise you, a young kid. You go out there and carry some water for Bamiyang and chase fullbacks. That's what we should be doing. Smart. You know, with the young players, you keep your franchise 32-year-old absolutely where you want him to be, and you keep feeding him chances, 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 because we all know what will happen when he gets chances. He will score. He's fair for you. And so I'm not going to judge Balogun yet, and, and hopefully no one else will, but <laughs> I'd be interested to see what how he looks, you know. And for me, when I look at him, I don't see a deficit in how he moves. I don't think, well, you're not ready for this level. I see a real desire to want to prove yourself, you know, and I do like that. You know, I listened to one of his interviews and he said, I don't want to just play in Arsenal's first team. I want to lead them. I want to lead them. And I thought, That's brilliant for a 20-year-old, 19, 20-year-old to have that thought process. And you may giggle and laugh, but things change very, very fast when you're that age. And for me, the only little caveat I have with him is seeing a dominant youth player where you can dominate physically, can he transfer that to men's football? And that's going to be the thing that's in my mind. Well, I will say technically, and he's finishing left foot, right foot, laces on both sides, mirror technique, really aggressive around the box. He knows when to run in behind. He can post up. 
is just the transference on youth football to men's football and how spectacular that looks or average that looks. And we're going to find out in the next few months. And if it's not working for him and he loans, we shouldn't be disappointed by that. If Lacazette stays, he goes on loan. That's just part of the development. But I hope he stays and we see him a lot more. But the most important thing for him is he gets plenty of adult football next year. And that is number one for us. Number one. If you have to watch him in another shirt, then we have to be prepared for that. But I hope we do see a lot of him this season in some way or form. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean... I'd be okay with him going on loan because I think there are times in your career where you have to play a lot. And, you know, if you're going to plan for the future and he's someone you really believe in, you certainly want to see him play a lot. I mean, you don't want a situation <clears throat> like we have with a Reese Nelson, someone who was really, really highly regarded, got off to sort of good loan starts, sort of lost his way in terms of opportunities at, at Arsenal. And now he's kind of in no man's land. And I'm not saying that will happen with Balogun. But for right now, alone where he plays every week, certainly would be fine with me. Paul, in terms of final bits and pieces from this game, I mean, one thing we can just touch on, I think we're all pretty consistent on this podcast that like getting into positions to score goals is the most important things players can do, and eventually they will get it sorted out. So in that respect, good performance from Aubameyang or maybe slightly shocking? <laughs> great, great performance mm -hmm. in the positions, missed them all keeping it in the bank. You know, we talked about this last preseason. Uh, <laughs> mind you, you have a good comeback for this one. But last preseason as well, he didn't. He wasn't really scoring in preseason. But, you know, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> he switched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe his mind was on the, because uh, he went to the Formula One racing yesterday himself and Laka. There's a great photo of them. <clears throat> I actually think there he, he was shopping for cars. He wanted a car that could do 240 miles per hour so that he could get to the North London Derby on time this year. Um, but anyway, he was at the uh, the uh, the the racing there. So it's it's just the summer that uh, right now it's about sharpening getting, and uh, he needs a little bit of that. It's about getting fit. It's getting in the mood. It's more important that he comes into this season with kind of all the baggage off him. It was last last summer was a tough summer for everybody. Um, it's not going to be the same for everybody. He's a very social guy, sociable guy, and 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 he had his own challenges. He had his the illness. He had uh, some stuff on the home front. So mostly what I want for Aubameyang for, is for him to have fun, <clears throat> for him and Laka get out to a couple of events, him to be nice and loose, the more loose he is coming into the season. So he looks fit. He looks up for it. He's having fun. There's a, a video of them training and a bunch of guys doing push-ups, and nobody is doing push-ups at even half the rate that, that Aubameyang can crank them out. So if he comes out of this... Fit, fast, in a, uh, happy, enjoying life. Uh, I think he'll start banging them in again next year. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, we we get excited about Saka and Martinelli and Smith Rowe and and Thomas Party and all these things, but it's easy to forget that our superstar <laughs> player is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. He's the guy we paid all the money to. He's the guy who has been one of the most devastating strikers in Europe over the last 10 years, and we sort of need him to still be that or some facsimile of that for this season to be good. I mean, Clive, before we move on to our, our last bit here on the remaining transfer window, it is the case that we still 
have a pretty strong dependence on Aubameyang being an elite striker. If you say to me, we we make the top four this season, what is something that I would be confident happened if we made the top four? I'd be confident Aubameyang went over 20 goals in the league. If you said to me, Arsenal, don't make the top six, again, what happened? I would confidently tell you that Aubameyang had another down season with 12 or 13 goals or, or, or fewer. I think... I feel very good about a lot of pieces of this squad, but the linchpin is scoring goals, and if our star striker isn't doing it, I don't think we have enough in reserve to overcome that. Is that oversimplifying the problem? I mean, do you see him as being that integral, that central to us achieving the goals we have for this season? Uh, I, it's an easy thing to say, but I prefer, if I'm sitting there with Mikel Arteta, I'm looking at Martelli, Smith, Rose, Saka, and Pepe. I'm looking at you, and I'm thinking, right, you lot, I need more from you. Your, your potential is ov- obvious. I need more end product. I need more last passes from you. I need more. Because I don't want to rely solely on the guy that everyone thinks we're going to rely on. Because he'll get his share. If he's if he's right in his mind off the pitch like he wasn't last year, he'll get his share. And, um, and so for me, the guys that I know, I've got the... 20 30 percent more improvement they'll be where my focus is on so i just want abamyang to feel less of the pressure to just be him and make sure we've got more devastation much more composure and decision making around him much more energy around him and technical security so that he can be who he is i think i don't want to see him chasing fullbacks that we saw a year or so ago i don't want i don't mind him setting the play but got to do a little bit more creativity, a little bit more bravery, you know, maybe a little bit more on the on the half turn so he sets it and then can actually turn around on people. Mm. I think it's something that he's proved on massively, but there's more to come. He has to recognise when he has space and people have let him have it, then he can turn around and people get tight, then he can then he can flick it around the corner first time. I think he just knocks it off really early, first time, all the time. And then he tries the secondary movement. His secondary movement wasn't so great last year. And so he wasn't getting to the box as much as I'd like him to. And some of that system, some of that's him and where he was. But the fact he's getting the box in preseason is good. He seems to prepare himself well for games. Um, we all know statistically and mathematically, if he gets his 20 goals, we're going to be in a much better place. So it's an easy thing for us to think. And I, I agree with you. I want that too. But I think it's a combination of a number of things. And that's what's exciting, Elliot, right? So... The midfield and back door, I think we've lacked technical ability to move the football through the thirds in different scenarios. We're developing people who can do that. We're buying people who can do that. And so that's encouraging. That means we're going to get the ball to the top end of the pitch in a better, quicker, sharper, in different ways, in different layers, different trajectories. We can do longer passes. We can flip them through the lines. And that means our forward players are going to stay in the right areas for longer. Roll in. When they're rolling late, we're good around the last third. We're good. It's our ability to progress the ball, I think, is a major issue for us. And um, I think we're solving that right now. And obviously, parties, hopefully, health and improvement. And, and I think we're all looking for, mate, we're all looking for that guy next to him. Who is that guy going to be? And I think when that, when that guy arrives, I think we'll all go, okay, this is what we're trying to be, and this is how we're going to go about it. And then we'll start looking at our combinations from there on in. Yeah. <clears throat> Paul, do you think that I have overstated his importance to to this campaign, Aubameyang's? No, I think both perspectives can be true at the same time. I think 
uh, Clive is exactly right. As a manager, you're looking for a more broad-based contribution across a team, this complex system of how a team plays. You don't you care where the goals fr come from, but you like it the more they come from all over. But I think you're also right. Um, you know, we're, we've got a whole saga potentially if they if Aubameyang isn't firing, unless something amazing happens, like it's a massive season breakout for Balogun, and then this it's this great new story. But like it, the the other reason you're right is because <clears throat> one of our other issues is we don't we actually don't get enough goals from from those other spots yet. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of a challenge. We don't have a 10 who bangs in seven or eight goals. We don't, you know, Saka is not a seven or eight goal a merchant, a merchant yet, but this could well be the season. Pepe is, uh, but he needs to do a bit more assisting. So <clears throat> um, kind of to Clive's point, they all need to start kicking into the right level and then uh, we're less reliant on Aubameyang. But if we're going to get top four, uh, between him and, say, the second biggest scorer, Pepe, they need to be getting us to about 28, 30 goals. And it doesn't really matter how they do it, whether it's 20 for Aubameyang, 10 for Pepe. Um, but uh, And Pepe does a bit more assisting uh, for Aubameyang, for others. Um, I, I would be worried. I don't think he needs to be into the 25 range, but he needs to be around the 20 mark, 18 of course, he takes penalties, so that's another factor of it. Who mm -hmm. takes the penos? Um, you know, if we get seven or eight penos, and that's how Aubameyang gets to twenty, that's not quite so great. Um, I, I think you've yeah. forgotten that we will get no penalties and have at least fifteen okay or twenty assessed, on... assessed against us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're living in the past, man. <laughs> okay. We were okay on penalties. We but didn't give many right? away, and mm -hmm. um, we scored a few, quite a few. Uh, where we really screwed up this year was own goals. Mm. Uh, we so were good at those. Yeah, but actually, for the normal things, we normally bemoan our luck. We were okay. We didn't. We were. Arteta has this very controlled and organized in that central defensive third. We're kind of passive, but apart from a few own goals, <laughs> we're kind of controlled there. So, uh, yeah, back to the Aubameyang thing. Yeah, I think he has to have a good season for us to get to top four. Uh, or threaten top four, top six. There's no two ways about it. But also, Clive's point, uh, lots of people have to kind of kick in. It just has to function up there. And if it functions up there, he's going to have a good season. It's kind of two sides. If it doesn't function up there, if other people aren't having good seasons too, neither will Aubameyang because he is not a guy who creates his own goals. So, yeah, well, one and the same. As, as sort of a, a final... Um... As sort of a, a final topic here, then I guess what we can say, Clive, is we all feel good about Lakanga coming in. I think we all feel good about Tavares coming in. White is probably done. And uh, again, if you want to hear David Hartrick talk about White from the perspective of an opt analyst, but most importantly as a Brighton fan, that's over on Patreon, and we will try to get that out um, more broadly uh, eventually. And we have another uh, guest planned for a White conversation, although just sort of waiting to make sure the deal actually does happen. <clears throat> it does look like it's done. If you want to say Lakanga in, White in, Tavares in, it, it actually makes it look like outgoings are starting to become a big priority and, and potentially something that has to happen before other incomings can happen. For example, we expect Shaka to leave, 
But if Shaka leaves, then suddenly central midfield is arguably more important than anything we've done already. So the dominoes have to start falling, and they have to start falling relatively quickly. When you look around the pitch, Clive, I think it's safe to say that central midfield party partner is still the priority with the presumption that Shaka will leave. Is that is that your perspective on it? Yeah, it, it, I, I'm. Enjoy, I've said it before, but I'm really enjoying what we're doing and um, and how we're going about it. And I, I don't normally enjoy these periods. I am normally in a real trouble. I believe every rumor. I don't understand what we're doing. <laughs> I, I get all upset. I rumor summer holidays. Wait, 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 wait. Just, You're doing that thing again where you confuse yourself with me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, um, I just don't enjoy this, but through through um meeting people like your good selves i've learned to look at football in a slightly different way and um and i like what we're doing i like what we're doing and i understand what we're trying to do and from listening to the management i understand what they want to be there's things we have to do we still are flipping from one regime to another we have some luggage sitting in the corner of the room that doesn't want to go that wants to be paid off Kalashnik wants to be paid off he wants his money. You know, Lacazette, how's he, what's going to happen here? What's the exit strategy? Now, Shaka, at least he's got himself a move. And we just talked about 2 million euros here or there. And that's right, because we deserve value. The the young kids, you know, Maitland-Niles and Ketia and Nelson, we deserve value. They've done their minutes. They've done their time. We've gone for our development year. We've increased their C. We've made their CVs look good. Pay us the money. Brexit, Premier League, homegrown pay us the money. And I'd say it's important we hold our nerve here. Mm. Much like Brighton have done with us. They've did. But what Brighton have done by Ben White, they've actually said to everybody else, we're okay. We will sell, but you will pay. We're happy to sell. We'll negotiate with you, but you will pay. So they've not only given us their player, but we could, I'd love to have got him at 45 or 40 plus five. They've got their 50 guaranteed over a period of time. They've done exactly what they should do for their club. We go back for Basuma, I wanted 30 plus 5. It looks like it's going to be 35 plus 5. So I'm not saying we're going to get Basuma, but I'll give you an example. They've laid down who they are. And I think that's something that we need to do. It's going to make us a little bit edgy. because We want to see the rebuild, we want to see our players, we want to see everyone gone. But it's important also that people don't take the mickey out of you. And that's why it's not going to happen quickly. We've just got to hold our nerve. And I hope the club do that because I'm sick of seeing people take the mickey out of us. The financial opportunities that we've had around the club, both players and agents and execs, I want them gone. And I want to see us develop a new fiscal outlook and a new recruitment outlook. And we seem to be starting to do that. And I'm quite encouraged. Yeah, I I am. I'm encouraged. I mean, just little things, right? The ages we're looking at, some of, some of the clever deals we're doing. There are other ones I think we can do that are more clever. The Ben White deal, we've, we've talked to death and we're going to wind up needing to talk about it again. But Paul, you and I, you and I got into, not a debate, just like a discussion of what the likelihood is of our remaining business. Someone had asked me just offhand on Twitter, and I, I think it was like making the bed and having a cup of bourbon of some, some sort when I answered it. So a lot of this just offhand, but it led to a conversation. He said, you know, what, um, what business do you expect us to get done after Ben White. And I said, I'm not convinced we'll do any other business. And I didn't mean that. I wasn't really thinking through it because the one thing I'm convinced- It was your opening gambit. It was my opening gambit. The one thing I'm convinced we will do is sign a backup keeper. Like that's absolutely happening. And I hope it's not Ramsdale. If it is Ramsdale, we can discuss it. There was some interesting stuff um, going around social media to look at the Ramsdale deal in a different way. Setting that aside, 
we're going to get another keeper. We're not going to go into the season mm-hmm. with, with Leno and Aconqua. But in terms of actual other positions, because you know my take on refrigerators and, and multiple refrigerators. But <laughs> setting that, that lunacy aside, I think what it is is a couple things. First of all, we always talk ourselves in the idea that more business can get done than can. Are we going to sell Shaka, Lacazette, Willick, Nelson, Enkedia, Elneny, Kolasinac? Are we gonna, we're going to sell all of those guys between now and the end of the window? I mean, it, it's a lot, and it's not likely. Are we going to bring in a central midfielder and a number 10 and a, a new potential striker and a right back plus Ben White? No, we're not, and a goalkeeper. Again, too much business to get done. So I sort of looked at it, and I said, in terms of possibilities, Paul, when you add up all the probabilities, right, we're probably going to sell Shaka, which means we're probably going to buy a Shaka replacement. We're probably going to do this and probably going to do that. All of the probabilities added together lead to less than 100% likelihood, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of torn because on the one hand, I see all the business we need to get done. I'm also lived through enough transfer windows to know we never do that much business. To do that now would be really tough into a very tricky market. I mean, Clive has typed into the chat that we need seven. And yep. I would type back into the chat if I couldn't just tell him. Uh, and he says we have three. Thank you, Clive. Um, that like it, it, it Clive, feels be quiet. It, it feels like a lot. Stop typing so loudly. It feels like a lot. So, Paul, I yeah. mean, I think there is a, a a world view where we do some good business this summer. Mm-hmm. Can't get everything done. People would have said we needed to get done, and that's just the fact of life. This the idea that you can do a rebuild in one summer window, especially with some you know relatively junior and experienced guys into a COVID market with an international tournament, wasn't realistic. Is there a certain number of moves left that minimally have to get done that if they don't, then you'd say, okay, you can stick the boot in because that had to get done. I mean, is it is it purely just the Shaka and Shaka replacement? Are there are there moves that have to get done in your mind versus other ones that are more luxury? Uh, so I think your summary of our uh, of the situation is one hundred percent spot on. I would totally sign up for what you just said. If it were any other summer, this one feels different. Um, I think <clears throat> conditions are different. I think the Cronkies have decided they need to fix things now before things get worse. And if they don't spend now, they're going to spend more, longer, more slowly, have more headaches. Uh, you know, they want to be an ESL uh, um, worthy without debate team back in the top six top four now there may never be an esl but whatever comes next there'll be something whether it's the uefa esl whatever they don't want to go through another they don't want arteta to fail because he isn't good enough or because he is good enough and didn't have the resources they want this season to go off basically without a hitch and for us to be on the up and they've decided the best way to do it is to spend some money. Uh, we're clearly not spending money based on breaking even at the end of this summer. Um, now, this could be all wrong. This is speculation. Yeah, I was going to say, but, I tend to agree with you, but that is you sort of <clears throat> speculating about what, yeah, what Absolute they speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, um, and to your point early on, I think it's really interesting that I would have expected... Therefore, we'd be getting super experienced, you know, your 27, 28, God forbid, 30, 31 year olds or too many of them, at least for my liking. Um, And yet they seem to have an eye to the present and the future, which is 
you know, it's early days, but and, and we get carried away. Usually we get carried away pulling our hair out at this time of the window of the window. So, hey, let's get carried away being excited and we can take it all back later on in the window. And um, I think we're going to do six or seven signings, mm. depending on. So three Chaka, or four more in addition to Tavares, Lakanga and White. Yeah. Hang on, let me do my math. So the goalkeeper would get us to four with White. Uh, Chaka goes, we need a DM. We need a 10. Uh, can't leave it all on Smith Rowe. He's only 20 going on 21. He scored two goals for us last year. Um, I love him, but there's a ways to go, and you don't want to do that. And it's too much of a burden for him. So we need a plan B for our number 10. The Odegaard Smith Rowe thing worked. And uh, maybe they want to use Saka as a 10 or something radical, but that seems like a stretch. So I think we're getting a 10. So where does that leave us? That uh, that leaves us at six players if we get a 10 and a DM. And if Hector goes, we'll get the seventh at as a right back. And if he doesn't, then we'll stick at six if Chaka doesn't go. Uh, but that just seems like it's going to happen. It's just a question of a couple of million either way. And, you know, he wants to go and it's the time for him to go. So, And the rumors have been so strong in terms of Neves and then Locatelli, even though it's a, that's a real long shot, it would have to fall through at Juve. But the ru- rumors have been pretty consistent. Um, and, you know, we did want Odegaard back. So what was that for? And we are interested in other 10s, it would appear, based on the rumor mill, the good rumor mill, not the bad rumor mill. So I think we're at five, six or seven, depending on whether Chaka goes, he will. So we're at six. And depending on Bellerin going or not, I think Ben White needs a particular type of fullback to really get the most out of him. So I can see the logic, if you bring in Ben White, of bringing in a more Tariq Lamptey, uh, more attacking, more dynamic fullback than one we have at the moment. Um, so I can see logic, double logic for why we'd want a new fullback. Mm. I, I just, I guess, you know, I hate to make it into the meme of a, I'm a worrier, I'm whiskers, but like, the, it is hard for me to see the volume of business happening while preseason's going on with the challenges in the market, but maybe it will. I I, I see your perspective, Paul, and I, I think it can happen. I think projecting about what the Cronkies want to do is always dangerous because yep, we just I don't, agree. we don't know. I mean, it's not that I think they want us to be bad. I don't think that. And it's not that I think they want us to fail. It's that I don't know how much they see themselves as being responsible for involving themselves in fixing. I mean, it is not in their model to be involved. Their model is to delegate. Now, in terms of allowing resources to be available, the one thing we can say is they've shown they'd make resources available for a big move every summer. They did the Pepe move. They did the Aubameyang move right after the Lacazette move. They're doing the Ben White move. Beyond that... They were were going to support the Lamar move, and that was something like 90 million. Yeah, bullet dodge. Um, (laughs) The only thing I'd say about the Crankies is the advantage of them not really knowing how to run a football team and not being in England is it's much easier for them to manage a, a club that's doing okay than the club that's doing badly. They're just not... I think they'd throw some money at fixing Arsenal because they know how to maintain 
arsenal with good people in place and they've no fucking clue how to fix a club that's a mess stuck around eighth i think they just want to get it fixed and they'll well, throw money at us. Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, we're we're going to find that out pretty quickly is the good news. I am working on the possibility of being in Orlando for the uh for the Florida Cup if it is even happening. So, more on that anon because if it happens, we'll have some live coverage from the event. Uh either way, we'll be covering it so we'll have a pod later this week to talk about what would have been the intergame and now will be the who knows what game. Uh by the way, by the time you're listening to this, um we may be pretty limited on the Smith Row uh shirts and stuff, but uh we're holding a few aside for patrons if you miss out on it, but I think there should be enough to go around at least for today. So thanks to Brandon for his great work. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. There it is. Paul's on Twitter at Paws My Pants. Thanks, Paws. Woohoo! All right. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, and I don't know how to do this next bit, so I'm just going to say uh, we love you. We really, really love you. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 to be determined nil. No.